Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, and Jamie Edmonds are up at 6 with JR Morning. Now it's First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. All right, so you heard in the news that if you're just joining us, the Supreme Court has adopted their own code of ethics after uh, questions were raised about gifts and, and, and trips that Clarence Thomas has received from a wealthy Republican donor uh, who was a close friend of his who didn't necessarily have any business directly in front of the court, but it, it, it led to an appearance of impropriety. Samuel Alito, he got, he, he's been under fire for some trips that he has taken uh, from people who do, who, who have had business in front of the Supreme court. And so they enacted these guidelines for recusal, speaking engagements and gifts similar to federal judges uh, but it's voluntary and it's self-enforced. And, and Renee, when I hear about code of ethics or guidelines or rules that are self-enforced or voluntary, I don't really see them as rules or guidelines at all. Sure. It's like it's a good idea. And oh, yeah, 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 I, I, I will do that. It's kind of like me saying I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I'm going to cut calories and disclose all gifts from all think tanks from right. now on. It's like a New Year's resolution. Exactly. Right? My intentions are good, but temptation by, is a terrible thing. By mid January, they're going to stop going to the gym and they're going to start taking money from lobbyists exactly. all over again. So, hey, I swear, I, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll start. I mean, at least they know it's toned down. Don't even get me started on the Supreme Court. Um, After this trip, we'll start. <laughs> yeah, I swear. This is the last trip, okay? I cannot miss this free trip to Australia. Right. I've been dying to see the opera house. Exactly. Uh, all right. You know what? I'm going to go on a Supreme Court rant, and nobody wants to hear that. So. No. <laughs> uh, you remember the QAnon shaman there, Renee? Oh, yeah, the crazy guy with the face paint and then that stormed the Capitol. Yeah, well, he could be voting on spending bills and government shutdowns soon because he has filed paperwork to run for Congress. I'm sure everyone remembers this guy. He had his face all painted. He was shirtless. He was wearing that huge furry headdress with Viking horns, uh, carrying an American flag all through the Capitol. He was kind He's of the public face of the Capitol riot. I mean, I got to say, when it comes to most unique costumes, that guy won. I got to give him credit for it. He was the uh, Halloween costume that year. Was <laughs> I saw what? a lot of those at Halloween parties. I was going to say, if if you're dressed as the QAnon shaman, are you pro-Trump or anti-Trump? Uh... I don't know. Are you being funny? If you're, I, I yeah, I yeah, guess it depends. I don't on know. The, it depends on the spirit of the costume. Right. If it's in tribute, you're a Trump fan. Yeah. If it's if it's mocking, um, then you're a uh, you're a Trump detractor. I don't know, but that guy did some time. He did what twenty seven months in prison. Yeah. So he pled guilty to a single count of felony obstruction of an official proceeding. He was originally. Sentenced to 41 months, he served 27 months, and he's running in Arizona. I guess uh, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko, she announced she will not be seeking re-election. So. You know, this is the same clown that had a federal judge order that organic food be served to him in jail after his lawyer told the court that his client needed a special diet for religious and health reasons. Did you know that, Mike? No. Well, well I mean, I guess—, I guess 
I guess if it's health reasons, it's legit. What? But okay, that's well, like mm, don't get me started. That guy's yeah. such a who's gonna vote for that guy? Does he think he has a chance? Do you, I'm afraid he does have a chance. You know Renee. what? Nothing makes sense lately. You're right. There is a good chance. I actually, I'm actually afraid he's going to. He is going to get elected, and he'll finally enter the Capitol legally right. as a congressman. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, he's going to go, this place looks familiar, I mean, and then I he's going to put his before. costume back on. <laughs> right. what, if he got to the, what if he got to the doors of the Capitol and said, nope, next, last time I was in this place, I went to jail. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know what? I would not have pegged this guy as an organic eater. Yeah. But he did have... He did have that big headdress, so maybe it, maybe he was in uh, great shape. Well, and here's the thing: maybe he's so organic, whatever whatever animal he was wearing the pelt of, maybe he killed that animal and ate it. Uh, you know, like someone who lived off the grid. I don't know. My bet is he got that on Amazon. Probably, yeah. And he probably and, and and he probably didn't need. He probably could have gotten by just fine on bread and water, right? But, um, so. There is another strike. I, I wasn't sure where I was going next. So, you know, the UAW strike, uh, it seems to be heading to an end. It looks like all of these contracts with the big three are going to be ratified. But there's another strike that's been going on for quite a long time here in the city of Detroit. Yeah, casino workers in Detroit are now deploying new tactics in hopes that it'll motivate the companies they're negotiating with to meet their demands. So recently, the Detroit casino strike expanded to online betting. The workers are calling for people to boycott online betting platforms like FanDuel, ESPN Bet, Hollywood iCasino, and and BetMGM, saying if you're doing it online, it's the same as coming into the casinos. The workers are also planning big rallies outside the casinos when major events are happening. They are now in their uh, month-long stretch of this uh, strike. Can you believe it's been a month already? Yeah, and I don't think... It seems that long because it did overlap with the UAW strike that, that took away a lot of the oxygen. Yeah. Um, I think they're right. I think that these online betting apps are going to keep these casinos afloat while, um, you know, the casinos themselves are being um, strict and people aren't going there. Right. Um, I don't I don't know if people are going to go along with this, um, at, at least nationwide. Unfortunately, this strike is very local, and I think people outside of the state of Michigan aren't even really aware of this strike, and I think that the toothpaste is already out of the tube when it comes to these online betting apps. People people are hooked on them, and I'm not saying everyone's addicted to them, but I mean, I mean even me, myself, I'm a very casual gambler. I'll, I'll, I'll throw $5 on a little bit of action. I always lose. Uh, but it's it's just so mainstream that I don't know if this is going to resonate with people outside of the area where there aren't casino workers. Right. Yeah. And I think the other answer has been to go across the river, you know, if you need your casino fix. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Just like the old days, like we're like we're drinking at 19 again. (laughs) Then you Um, get the casino and play some slots. But but they're right. I, I think this would be a very effective strategy, and I think it would bring the strike to a quicker end. I'm just not sure if people are going to go along they with it. They just don't associate the two. Right. I, I mean, it's probably not on the news every day outside of, of, of Michigan. And, I mean, 
we saw how complicated negotiations were between three companies and one union. Mm-hmm. Imagine how complicated it is between three casinos and five different unions. Yeah. Here, Theoretically, could people from this one union reach an agreement and go to work while the other unions are still striking? I don't think they would cross that picket line, but there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, this one to me seems like it's going to uh, it could potentially take a lot longer to resolve. And speaking of the UAW strike, um, the ripple effects are being felt all throughout the rest of the auto industry. There's what a, a third foreign automaker who are preemptively raising wages now in effect uh-huh. of UAW contracts. Hyundai has joined Honda and Toyota in raising factory worker wages after the UAW reached new contract agreements with Detroit automakers. Hyundai said Monday it'll raise factory worker pay 25% by 2028, matching the general wage increase won by the UAW during that period. Labor experts say that the increases are at least in part aimed at thwarting UAW President Sean Fain's strategy of trying to organize U.S. auto plants run by foreign automakers in Tesla in order to increase the union's bargaining power. Fain said terrified auto executives at non-union plants are raising wages, and he called Toyota's pay increase the UAW bump. We've heard him say that before. And announcing its factory pay increases, Hyundai wouldn't say how much the hourly wage is at its factory in Montgomery, Alabama, or how much it'll pay at an electric vehicle factory. Uh, under construction near Savannah, Georgia. But by early next year, the company said it will have increased factory worker pay 14% in the past year. Yeah, and if you're Sean Fain, if you're UAW leadership, you're smiling over this because it's a victory that you didn't even necessarily directly have to fight for. He didn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, You know, in those terms, no. And I think what it shows is that there is, like Sean Fain said, a lot of concern amongst uh, corporate at these foreign automakers. And maybe that does show that there's some scuttlebutt amongst the rank and file about looking at this deal the UAW got for the big three. And and maybe there is some fertile ground for organizing over there. We'll see because we know uh, UAW and Sean Fain, they want to go after the foreign automakers next. And then uh, Meanwhile, here at home, Stellantis, they're offering buyouts and early retirement packages to 6,400 non-union U.S. salaried employees, citing challenging marketing conditions. Uh, Stellantis says that these packages are voluntary, like the Supreme Court Code of Ethics, and are designed as a benefit for people who have been mulling over retirement or leaving the company to finally make the jump. So uh, there you go. There is your there is your complete auto foreign and domestic roundup on first thing mike parsons renee vitale wjr up next at six it's jr morning with guy gordon jamie edmonds and lloyd jackson this is first thing with mike parsons and renee vitale so renee i know we've been talking a lot about really wanting there to be cameras in the courtroom uh for all of donald trump's uh trials especially with his foreign indictments but i think i think there's a courtroom that I want to have a camera in more so than any of those four. Yeah, what's that? Uh, the uh, Washtenaw County courtroom on Friday <laughs> when Jim Harbaugh uh, says he's going to be there in person when a judge hears arguments on the restraining order that he and Michigan filed to overturn his suspension. I, I think well, it might need to be a necessity. I think, uh, you know what? I don't know if I can do this, but I'm actually calling off work now. <laughs> 
field for trip. Friday. Field trip. <laughs> I, 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 I quote unquote, I'm going to cover it. Okay. So, uh, wow. He had a, uh, he had a press conference yesterday and, uh, as they say up in Canada, it was a beauty. Uh, <laughs> Um, he said that, uh, number one, Harbaugh says he's not sure whether or not he would have the opportunity to speak, but he did say, I've always felt like it'd be cool to get up there and thunder away at a jury like Tom Cruise and a few good men <laughs> or be a judge. Alas, I did not go to law school. How terrifying would that be if you're a juror? I mean, you, you got Jim Harbaugh in your face. He's got that fire in his eyes. He's screaming at you like, like you're his team that's down 35, nothing at halftime. And uh, he's just firing away at you like Tom Cruise and a few good men. I was reading. I didn't get to see the press conference. So I was reading the transcripts of this and I could not make sense of it. I was like, what is this for real? What am I reading right now? Yeah. You know, sometimes I think coaches, they, they put on a character at press conferences. Bill Belichick, he does that. He does that um, uh, monotone curmudgeon guy. That's and, very and, you good, know, by the way. Thank you. I've been working on it. Um and, and you know that's not the guy who who motivated his team to however many Super Bowls. You no. know, you you know that guy is different away from the microphone. I think Jim Harbaugh kind of he puts on this kind of weird, frazzled, nutty professor type character. Well, he did well stand. yesterday. Based he did on this. Um, and and before we get into one of the most bizarre I- exchanges from this press conference, uh, a little substance. A reporter did ask him how he found out about his suspension. And he told them that, that, that when they landed and everyone got their, their cell phone signal back, somebody showed him a social media post on their cell phone. And that's how he found out he was wow. suspended for three. The big 10 didn't even contact him. Yeah. That's a little bizarre. You, you think you get an email, a memo, a right. phone call, something, right. a telegraph. I don't know. The big 10 broke up with Jim Harbaugh via Twitter X or something. Dang. So that's harsh. I, I did it. Yeah, it is. It is. And like I said, it's kind of spineless. Yeah. Um, but somebody did ask Jim Harbaugh about his chickens. I did not know Jim Harbaugh was a part-time farmer, but he said I that not uh, either. No. And that's why, uh, that, that's why you listen to the show. You learn something new every day. <laughs> uh, he said that he bought the, the, the chickens the COVID year of 2020 for easter for the kids at tractor supply some people made banana bread some people <laughs> bought chickens right we were all in very strange places mike uh, if you say you're going to tractor supply you're probably going to buy something tractor related but no i'm going to buy some chickens I, I, it's tempting they're very cute when they're there honey i thought you went out for some smokes um, and it turns out just like any time you buy a kid a a, a pet, they grow uh, up. Turns out, and the kids are the you know the kids take care of the pet for a bit, and then it falls on the parents. Right. He he said in the press conference, "I'm the one who takes care of them, and the respect that I have for chickens. <laughs> I know there was a time when I said that a chicken is a nervous bird, and I don't eat chicken. I only eat meat. Wait, does that mean that now he eats chicken?" I don't know what any of this means. Well, he continues. He goes, I was dead wrong. I stand corrected. These chickens are low maintenance and high production. They lay an egg every 26, 27 hours, and they need water. They need food, and then I play with them, too. I let them out in the yard. We run around, and they're happy to see me. They're happy to see me. There's a time when I'm doing good things for other people, and they're not as happy to see me as the chickens are. So it's good for my mental health as as well as I get fresh eggs every day. All right, Harbs. Look. 
We all need we all need a way to decompress. You right? do you, boo boo. Hey. <laughs> You know, I'm so back and forth on Jim Harbaugh. Sometimes I just I just can't stand the guy. I got to say, I'm I'm a Harbaugh fan this morning, at least. <laughs> you know, get your chickens, Jim. I, I find that very endearing. It kind of reminds me of that meme with Mike Tyson and the pigeons that you see. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So, yeah, that that a little levity to start our wow. uh, show this morning. I'm not because, even mad. No, no. So here's the thing. I grew up a Sparty fan. I think I'm a Michigan fan now, just with Harbaugh and his chickens. And his chickens. All right. Yeah, and uh, it, it's nice to get into it to the show with something a little bit light because the um, situation in the Middle East is uh, deteriorating. Yeah. Uh, U.S. forces came under attack at least four more times by Iran-backed groups in Syria after the U.S. military carried out airstrikes on targets associated with Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps on Sunday. All four of the attacks came after the U.S. struck a training facility and safe house on Sunday near the cities of Abu Kamal and Mayadin, respectively. The Pentagon is not currently tracking any injuries or damage from the four latest attacks. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said of the U.S. strikes on Sunday, the president has no higher priority than the safety of U.S. personnel, and he directed today's action to make clear that the United States will defend itself, its personnel, and its interests. According to a U.S. official, the four attacks were a mix of rocket and drone attacks uh, across four different locations, and on Monday morning, multiple one-way attack drones were launched against forces at Ramallah Landing Zone, Syria. One drone was shot down, another drone impacted the landing zone, and resulted in minor damage to four tents. There were no casualties reported. As of Monday morning, the recent attacks marked at least 52 against U.S. and coalition forces since October 17th. Yeah, and it seems like all these um, factions over in the Middle East, they're kind of eating away at the margins of a direct hand-to-hand conflict with the United States, but not not quite committing to it. Right. Uh, it's very tense over there. Uh, in Gaza, the biggest hospital in Gaza is pretty much offline as well as uh, the majority of hospitals uh, in northern Gaza. Israeli tropes are closing in on them, saying that Hamas is setting up operations under certain hospitals and that they have no choice but to go after them. And just, you know, absolutely striking images throughout this this whole conflict. Uh, First of all, there's that image of the doctor's in the Palestinian doctors in the Gaza hospital trying to do a surgery via flashlight. Yeah. On their cell phones. I saw that yesterday in the maternity ward. They're trying to keep the babies warm with tin foil. Yeah. And they, they lost a few and yeah. And um, very hard to watch. Yeah. And now the uh, white house, Joe Biden is coming out saying that uh, uh, the El Shifa hospital, which is the biggest hospital in Gaza, must be protected. And I guess after this is all over, I I guess we're going to have to see who has to answer to the international community more Israel for going after the hospital or Hamas for going uh, for setting up operations underneath using their sick and wounded as human shields. Right. Nonetheless, I I think it paints the picture of, of the innocent civilians who are caught up in this and, you know, anytime you have a loved one in the hospital, it's it's very nerve wracking and stressful. And As just to is. have this on on top of it, yeah. just uh, it, it, absolute gut, gut punch, absolute gut punch. Um, 
So James and Jennifer Crumbly, yesterday they filed a motion to receive separate trials, and a judge decided pretty quickly on that. Yeah, attorneys for James and Jennifer Crumbly filed motions on Monday requesting that they stand trial separately for four counts of uh, involuntary manslaughter that they face in connection with the shooting. They were initially set to be tried together as co-defendants starting January 23rd. The trial date could be affected now that they request for trial separation, and that has been granted. The Oakland County Prosecutor's Office filed their responses with the Oakland County Circuit Court the same day, expressing support for the motions filed by the couple. But while agreeing that the parents are legally entitled to separate trials, prosecutors say that two trials will have a negative impact for many groups of people. The people admit that the defendant is entitled to a separate trial because of some of the evidence introduced against the co-defendant at a trial would be damaging to the defendant, the prosecutor's filing reads. Separate trials in this case come at a significant cost to victims, witnesses, taxpayers, and the additional jurors who will have to serve. Uh, But the Constitution affords the defendant that right, and the people agree that the defendant is entitled to a separate trial. In their filings on Monday, prosecutors said that they agree that a conflict exists as it relates to jointly trying the shooter's parents, but also said that they raised the issue of a potential conflict on several occasions more than a year ago. Prosecutors previously sought to ensure that the defendants knew of this conflict as they agreed to be represented by two separate attorneys who work under the same firm. And it's not yet clear how this will affect the scheduling of court proceedings. So they have been granted. It's just now how much longer is this going to be dragged out because of it? Yeah, they were originally supposed to go on trial in January. Right. And and yeah, now uh, the lawyers are saying new info has come to light that there may be a conflict of interest. Um, and remember a couple of weeks ago when the Oakland County prosecutor's office said that there was a rift and that the two were turning on each other yep. and the defense said it wasn't true. I, I mean, I guess it was, and I'm surprised it took too long. I mean, these two, they tried throwing their son under their bus for their own legal defense, saying that he was not, uh, criminally insane when this happened, right. uh, w- which would have helped their defense. Uh, but it would have hurt his chances of of getting parole, which he's not he's never going to get anyway. But at the time, um, you know, they 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 threw him under the bus and 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 said things that would save their own butts. And Jennifer Crumbly earlier this this month said that she blames uh, uh, James Crumbly for buying their son a gun. So they're already turning on each other. And, uh, you know, I say I. I as far as I'm concerned, lock them all up. It's not going to be a slam dunk because um, the laws that the shooting inspired, they weren't in place at the time. Right. So it's, it's going to be an uphill slog for the prosecutor because at the time the, the, the gun laws uh, were so flimsy when it came to a minor using their parents' firearm to hurt somebody that they, they, they might not get the punishment they deserve. Right. Surprise, surprise, Renee, we're late. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. First thing in the morning, it's First Thing on WJR. Here's Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. And it's that time of morning where we like to bring in the JR Morning Crew. Guy Lloyd and Jamie, good morning, y'all. 
We're not morning. ready Good morning. Yet. Go away. You're not ready. Well, Wake up. Hey, that never stopped. That's never stopped me from going on at 5 a.m. You just kind of you just kind of wing it. That's <laughs> true. Preparations never held us back before. That's right. I was going to say, Jason, do you have some hold music that uh, we we can play while uh, our music. friends get pitched? Dung 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 dung. Your call is important to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I heard at the bottom of the hour news that the House is set to vote on Mike Johnson's two part um, funding initiative uh, later on this afternoon. Um, Is Speaker Mike Johnson, he's still operating under that same rule. They got Kevin McCarthy ousted, right, Mm -hmm. where one person, if they're not happy with you, they can call to get you removed. Yeah, but he's he's still in the honeymoon phase here and he he has engendered. And I mean, Paul Mitchell, three years ago, told me that Kevin McCarthy was going to be a very short-lived speaker, uh, God rest wow. Paul's soul. He, say, he said, yeah, he just, so few people really liked him. Mike Johnson, everybody seems to like pretty well. He's, you know, he has uh, extended an olive branch, He hope, and he'll need it, because right now he's already got, I think, by my count, four Republicans that are looking to defect. The Democratic caucus is going to meet today and determine whether or not they're going to support this plan. It's a clean CR, which is exactly what Hakeem Jeffries was asking for. Exactly. So if they vote against it, it's going to be purely an up yours move, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Which I want to put that past anyone in Congress. <laughs> yeah, no. no. So you don't, you, you don't think if... Um, He's not you know, in trouble. They, okay, that was my main question. I, yeah. I mean, look, nothing would surprise me. But that would just be completely embarrassing. Look, the one thing I heard from two of the hardliners in the Freedom Caucus was, we don't like this bill, but we really like Mike Johnson. Oh, Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was definitely personal. It was personal then. then, Oh, yeah. No question. He he had stepped on a lot of tolls and had been very um, calculating in his path to speaker. I mean, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong well, way. Well, I think that should rub voters the wrong way, that they were putting personal vendettas top of list. Nope, no and, question. And also, and, and also the fact that, you know, he went along with that motion to vacate rule that, you know, you were almost kind of, you know, putting <laughs> right. the, you know. <laughs> when you build like, your own gallows. That, that's it. Right. with the you devil. <laughs> right. He, he sold out essentially just to have Speaker of the House on his business card for nine months. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he wanted the title so bad that he, he literally would, um, you know, he, he, he put all of his power in the hands of the Freedom Caucus. And I believe what's the uh, old saying, F around and find out? Well, yep. that's exactly what happened. Yep. Um, now, here is the biopic that none of us knew we needed or wanted, but A24 uh, has announced that they will be working with Darren Aronofsky, the guy who uh, made Requiem for a Dream, Black Swan, and The Whale. He has been tapped to direct the Elon Musk biopic. Oh, I can't think of a better person to do this. Okay, who do you cast there? Someone oh. like uh, Jared Leto that's always kind of on the edge of really weird? <laughs> yeah, the stranger the better for this one. Yeah. Johnny uh, Depp. Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. yes. I think that's perfect. Or, I think what, or River Phoenix. I think I, what, I, you know. oh, <laughs> too soon. Oh. Still too, too soon. No. He's out. I know, I know it's the early 90s guy, but too soon. Um, <laughs> here's what I think. I, I think you got to cast an unknown because uh, Elon Musk is so famous that if you cast someone else famous, uh, it's just going to look like, 
you know, this famous person doing an Elon Musk impression. You yeah. got to find somebody yeah. who's going to disappear into the role. Well, and then they'll get their first Oscar because biopics are a slam dunk when it comes to Oscars. And if he's too good, he'll right. just be typecast as Elon Musk. Yeah. Every, right. Every, every, every show he's in How about after the that. guy that played Oppenheimer? You talk about a guy that disappeared into the role mm-hmm. and has yeah. that kind of edgy, brooding. Brute, darkness. Yeah. 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 But Renee, you're absolutely right. I mean, when when you come to when, when you think of a guy as weird as Elon Musk, Darren Aronofsky with that with that filmography mm-hmm. really is the per- perfect person to to direct this. Yeah. Yeah, his, his <laughs> I can't think of anybody else that could handle taking on this task. All his when you think of weird, you think of him. And you think of Elon Musk, you put them Maybe. two in the same sentence. It's perfect. You don't think of Mike Parsons? Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you that's know, up for debate. I think Mike's fine with that. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. You know, I, I'll pass. I, right. I'd like to work on other projects. <laughs> uh, I think they should get the guy who directed Human Centipede to, to do this bio. Oh, my thing. gosh. I forgot about that. <laughs> he just is weird. All right. So, JR, morning coming up next. Uh, what are you guys uh, talking about today, guy? Uh, we're going to be talking about the Jennifer Crumbly, James Crumbly split in their triers. We're going to be talking about a new code of ethics for the Supreme Court and uh, much more. We'll be back. Well, the House will vote on a temporary spending bill this afternoon, but the clock is ticking once again. And Friday, there'll be another government shutdown unless they can agree on a spending package to keep the government open. Democrat Debbie Dingell discusses the task ahead with Chris Renwick on JR Afternoon. Congresswoman, I hope you're wearing a lot of Honolulu blue on the Hill these days. Hey, I was happier than I had a great weekend between the win on Saturday and the Michigan. Yeah, we look good. Yeah, we do. In all ways, Detroit Lions, University of Michigan, the state of Michigan look good over the weekend. How are we looking about this funding bill? Because uh, obviously the Republicans were able to get their act together. They elected a new House speaker. But um, Mike Johnson is proposing a new two-step stopgap bill that is angering some in his conference. Um, How do you view this? So... I'm looking to get more information, quite frankly. I never thought cheering for the Lions and having a winning season would be easier than getting <laughs> and keeping the government open, but that is what we're looking at right now. Uh, we have some meetings today where we will see more about these proposals. What's not clear to me is if they're cut in um, what we would do. I, I want to keep the government open. We are, it is right before the holidays. There are a lot of good men and women that work in the government every single day that should not be losing their paycheck at the holidays. And it impacts our national security. It impacts everything from the safety of our food and our farmers and the efficient running of airports. And I could go on and on and on. And I hope we find a way to keep the government open this week. But I will remind people that a common sense Keeping the government open 45 days ago is what cost Kevin McCarthy his seat. Well, Mike Johnson, in this particular proposal, some government agencies would be funded until January 19th. Others would be funded until February uh, 2nd. And what's what seems to be absent from this particular spending bill is funding for for Israel, funding for Ukraine. Ukraine. 
it, it, are, are, are those are those non-negotiables for you? Uh, is it funding for Ukraine? Uh, I, I mean, in the Mideast right now, uh, I, that's why I'm waiting to go into briefing. How much money is there? When will what these government needs, what the humanitarian aid requires, run out? So I'm very concerned. The White House is already opposed to this proposal. So uh, I've just gotten back to Washington. I was home all weekend, and we have a lot of briefings, including classified briefings tomorrow, and we'll see where this goes. But I am, at best, 50-50 that we keep the government open, and I think that's unacceptable, Chris. Has there been a, a shift in in the tone from Kevin McCarthy to Mike Johnson? Has there been... Um, any noticeable difference in the way Mike Johnson is ushering in this 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 new uh, kind of new frontier for the Republicans on on Capitol Hill? Has, has there been any noticeable difference to you? So this is what I'm going to say to you. I actually know Mike. I've introduced bills with him in the past. Uh, he is a civil man. He believes in treating everybody with respect, and he has been on a honeymoon period. Do I agree with him on many issues? No. He's got a far more conservative approach, and I don't agree with him on a number of policy issues. But as I've always said to you, since you've known me, you can disagree agreeably. Mm -hmm. And I think the tone that he has taken to date has to try to preach that in what he is doing. He's being destroyed by any number of people that I, I, I think social media is one of the worst things that's happened, that everybody's looking for the gotcha or how do you go after him? He has a caucus that is diverse and does not understand the importance of agreeing on something, trying to be unified on something, and he is governing in a very difficult time. I will stand up for what I believe is right. I will fight hard for the policies that I think the people elected me uh, to deliver on, but I will always do it in a manner that I believe is civil. And I think that he is trying to do that, though I think he's going to be sorely tested this week. So then with that type of mentality or that type of attitude, does that lend to potentially more people maybe like you considering uh, or, or at least listening to some of the proposals coming out of the Republican caucus being led by Mike Johnson? I think there are a number of us that want to listen and understand it. But with the nut you else.